Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. MBK Senior Communities is dedicated to being the preferred senior living provider in the markets they serve. They create warm, inviting living spaces in desirable locations. They offer a variety of services and programs to enrich the lives of residents and their families. And by getting to know their residents, their personal preferences, and their individual needs, MBK Senior Communities can better contribute to their well-being and provide care that's right for them. They are committed to enhancing independence and quality of life, serving others the way they prefer to be treated, and providing care that is delivered with integrity, dignity, and compassion. Currently serving the Western United States, but expanding. Why not contact your local community for a tour and see for yourself why most of their residents say they felt at home from their very first visit? You can get more information by visiting their website at mbkseniorliving.com or call 949-242-1400. Welcome back to my conversation with Cindy and Corey. We're discussing how their family came together when Cindy's dad threw up the white flag and said, I can't do this anymore. I need you guys to help me out. The way their family came together, I honestly feel could be a blueprint for all families and how we can help each other and help care for our loved ones with memory loss. It's also not a bad example of how people can pull together for families struggling with other kinds of either chronic disease or other disabilities that make caring for yourself very difficult. So tune back in and let's hear the rest of our conversation. She would get panicky if she didn't see my dad. So he would take her everywhere. So it took three times as long to do something because she would wander, <laughs> lose her, you know, all of those things that honestly, I, I can only hear what he's saying. I never experienced those things because he never, he never pulled us into that. It's all very tight. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like what my dad did. Mm-hmm. And I've taken my mom out, you know, to buy stuff she needs, toilet paper, all the usual basics. And I always get a little bit nervous. She absolutely loves kids. I mean, she's a mom, she's a grandma, loves children. And sometimes she approaches moms with babies in strollers and Mm -hmm. she never touches them. Not yet, but I'm always afraid, you know, that it's, you know, how people can be a little weird. Some people don't want normal people approaching their kids. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I think it's obvious that my mom is not all there. So I would hope that, you know, if I don't catch it before, you know, she sees, she seems to spot the moms with strollers way before I do. Right. Um, <laughs> like one day I, I turned, I turned my back to pick something up off the shelf and I turn back and she's standing there with her hands, you know, up against her chest and she's talking to this mom with this baby in the stroller. And I was just like, Oh, please, oh. please, please be kind. She just, you know, and it's like, and please don't try to touch the baby. I was just, I almost went into panic mode. Oh, I and, understand. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I have taken her to our local city park. We have a splash zone back, oh. you know, when it was still hot, I took her out, her and her other friend, Diane out there and they watched the kids and they loved that. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to find activities where th- they can watch the kids 
Well, that sometimes feels a little creepy. <laughs> right. Uh, in context, right? Well, like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. But um, I, I, we never were able to take mom out of the facility. She, um, she my dad, she, it was hard to get her in a car. Yeah, even, it know? was. She she was fearful of everything towards the end, more so than she ever. She always was fearful, but it just was more. She, um, she was quite a tentative woman. You know, yes, um, but she got a lot of visits. Um, and they would bring the babies in. And of course the grandkids were the biggest hit of everyone there. You know, you'd yeah. bring a baby in and all of the grandmas would become grandmas <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> again, you know? And so we'd Corey's, have to do the wife, tour, Corey's right? wife would take the boys yeah. out and, and just talk to all the residents and they would like, Oh baby. And yeah, you do the tour of the courtyard and did everybody kind of gets courtyard a in the activity room and the <laughs> dining room. So and and trying because Jackson's a little bit older than Army, and um, so Jackson was had questions. You know, yeah. he didn't understand why great grandma was not recognizing him, and and so it was a, or a when lesson she would, like, for zone them. Out, yeah, you know, yeah. So um, it so was it was quite for yeah. a few minutes. Yeah. But babies seemed to be the key. Uh, it brought, it was so um, joyful. I think it, it's kind of a, a beautiful example of this sort of human condition, right? Right. Like that <clears throat> when you see, like as, as a, somebody who has lived a full life, somebody who has, you know, raised children of their own or, you know, helped in the sort of communal raising of children um, or having had grandbabies or, or whatever, when you see new life mm-hmm. at that old, older age, <clears throat> how much it just brings a light back to you. Right. As a person, you know, like that's that's kind of this beautiful little example, like I said, like of, of like humanity mm-hmm. in a weird way that like, you know, a baby comes around and you're just like, oh, a baby. Mm-hmm. Look at how adorable. Like, oh, you have so much potential ahead of you. That's right. And, you know, like to, to see that, especially in, in these care homes. And I'm, I'm sure that's why grandma gravitated towards the baby dolls. The baby doll. You yeah. know, yeah. She would just always carry it, carry it around. And, and the, the padding went from like banging on a table to sort of like padding the back, padding the back of the baby yeah. or, or the sort of, you know, like the butt of the baby to sort of like rock it to sleep or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I wonder if there is like a study that talks about the connection between like babies and, and elderly people. I, I think there's a part of their brain that remembers way, way back and that joy. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think there's a part of them that's in there mm-hmm. as they, as they decline. Just banging on the doors. And, and as, as daughters and grandchildren and, you know, we are trying to spark something in that part of their memory where that you can see in their eyes, you can see it. And yeah. it's like, I know you're there. I know you're there. And just acknowledge that uh, for them. If that's all you can do is just acknowledge that that spark is still there. I think it might also be, it's such a basic core of our biology to care mm-hmm. for these small little humans with all this potential. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, like my mom raised two daughters and she's got three grandkids and she was, because my daughter is 14 years older than my niece, my sister and I are only five years apart. So um, I started early. My sister started a little later. Uh-huh. Uh, my mom was a huge part of my daughter's early childhood, you know, mm-hmm. until they get to that snotty teenage years. <laughs> Even then, they were still close. But you know, it's 
not as fun to hang out with grandma when you're 13 or 14 years old. And then my niece was born when my daughter was 14. So she got a slightly replaced, you know, <laughs> in normal ways, not like my mom stopped paying attention to her or anything. But I think it's almost like, um, and I can't remember the word at the moment. It's like, it's like basic biology, you know, it just, oh, I wish I could remember that word. I hate it when I can't remember words because it always <laughs> makes me freak out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it just goes to the core of our humanity. And I think that's why they perk up. And, you know, my mom always loves it when there's kids visiting. I go on Mondays, so I, I don't get to see that terribly often. Mm-hmm. But when I, you know, there was one day this two-year-old was there and he was, the courtyard is in the middle. And so you basically run this square O and he was just literally running around screaming like two-year-olds do. And, the first thing my mom did was kind of complain about the noise, which is typical for her. But then she realized that it was a kid and she's like, oh, but it sounds like they're having a lot of fun. So it was very interesting to see her reaction to this little guy. And she talked to him and, you know, and it just, it was very different. It's, it's interesting. I'll have to look, I'm going to look for a study on the connection between people with memory loss and, taking care of a baby. Cause I know they actually have like very lifelike baby dolls for mm-hmm. people with memory loss. And I've seen like little videos where they give the, well, here's your baby. And they swaddle it in the pink or the blue mm-hmm. blankets and, and they hand it to my mom had. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing that when she was at home, um, Corey had had his second son. He was only, maybe three weeks old, four um, weeks old. He was pretty fresh squeezed, but uh, I'm he not sure. He was so tiny. And we took Army over to meet great grandma. And at this point, my mom would jibber jabber when she talked. There was nothing that made sense. You know, she would go off on a conversation and we would just shake our heads and listen. Yeah, well, she would join the conversation with a few words. And she would join the conversation and just like, you know, having this conversation. And then they would get scrambled. And nothing made sense. We put Army in her arms, and I have, this is the last videotape I have. This was literally before we put her um, at Crescendo. She's holding him, she's looking at him, and she's having a conversation with him. Um, You know, hello, sweetheart, how are you? I mean, literally a a one-on-one conversation that made sense. Wow. And she would look up and say, he is just precious and then look back down at him and he's looking at her she's looking at him and I was in awe I I took the video and I went dad uh, you know she's actually having a conversation that makes sense and that was the last time I think that there was a that come out of her but it was while he laid in her lap and connected somehow it was intriguing to say the least yeah yeah, yeah, that is really interesting. Mm-hmm. There is a, my mom's next door neighbor where she lives um, is Irish and and she speaks mostly gibberish. Some of it sounds like it might be Irish. And then occasionally there's some words that pop out and she'll come up to you and literally almost touching you face to face and and say something to you. And it's like, you just have to like listen really hard and pray for a word that makes sense so that you can maybe come up with something that she wants context <laughs> so, clues yeah. of the situation yeah, exactly. the... so it's, it'd be interesting to see what would happen if she had one of those baby dolls i'll have mm-hmm. to hmm, 
giving me ideas. Yeah, <laughs> run, well, run see, your own experiment. The first yeah, really. one got a hold of. She gravitated towards that doll in the activity room. She was the one who sought it out and then kept it as her own. So my dad had to go get her one of her own because it was a therapy doll for others. And so she did. And I'm not quite sure whatever happened to that doll, but dad said it just ended up back, I think, in the room. And I think mom has forgotten that she has a baby doll. She's at a different level now. But it helped her to sleep. She would sleep. She took it everywhere for the first, I think, three or four months that she was there. Yeah, yeah, she never put it down. And you would mm-hmm. ask her, where's your baby doll? And, of course, they would bring it um, to her because they, they, she'd pat it. And it was mostly so that she would not annoy the other. Because uh, they, you know, the other residents, when they're annoyed, they don't mind telling you. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> so, and it would make her feel bad. You know, they would yell or, you know, they would get aggressive because she was being noisy and... You just, so, you know, the baby doll was mostly for that, but. Um, whatever works. Whatever works, right? We, we seem to lose some of the social filters. There's a lady where my mom lives who is, well, she's in a wheelchair. I don't know if she is actually, can walk a little bit. Um, and doing research on Alzheimer's, I understand where she's at. But she's always like, help, help, help me. Won't you help me? I need help. And it's like, oh, it's terrible. Right. And right. so I always say, what do you need, Betty? And she'll, sometimes she'll answer and sometimes she'll, can you help me? And I'll be like, let me go get, you know, one of the staff. Um, she's more help. She needs more assistance than I'm comfortable giving. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just kind of her go-to verbalization. Help me. And it's like monotone. It's not like she's panicking. It's just right. like, help me, help me. I need help. <laughs> it's like, okay. it's interesting to, to, to see like, I, like I mean, it makes me curious of like what, what, what those, like what she was like as a younger person, you know, is, is she somebody who would have like, you know, sent food constantly back at a restaurant? <laughs> Well, or like, you know, or is like somebody it, who always wants to see a manager. And so that's the way it gets like that sort of personality gets sort of manifested in, in like, they're reverting, just asking for help. Right. They're reverting but because to what she's they're monotone, familiar like, with in their brain. That's, that's, that's popping at the time, yeah. whatever they can grab. I'm sure. That's fascinating to me. And um, she's always like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, next time she hollers at me like that, I'll have to, I'll have to kind of contemplate on that. Um, <laughs> trying to think. See, the three Dianes are all pretty conversational. My mom is the least of the three. Her, the, the one friend, Diane S., still reads. Oh, and, that's, um, that's I don't know if you heard the episode on the two-lap books. They're fantastic. They're um, beautifully illustrated books with one phrase per page. Like, I love to feel the sunshine on my face. And then it's, it's basically like an 11 by 14 or 14 by 11 book. So the pages, the pictures are huge. And obviously, you know, it'll be a older woman sitting in a chair with the sunshine on her face and flowers. And they're just fantastic. Well, in the very beginning of this book is like the directions on how to use it and, and talking points. I mean, it's that part is for the caregivers and her friend read that part. And (laughs) no, and she can still read. She still recognizes words. She was always, she's always carrying around a novel and always 
you know, reading and I never, never knew is she actually just reading or just going through the motions or, you know, cause like sometimes, you know, if you're tired, you're like, I've read the same page three times. So I kind of wondered if she was at that point, but no, she actually does read. And then the other Diane, by looking at her, you would not realize that she has memory issues. She looks like she might be visiting. She's always very well dressed. Her hair is always nice. You know, I don't know if she wears a lot of makeup, but she, she always looks really well put together. And so that's, that's the three of them. So they're all different, but she was really surprised Monday when I brought mom back. Um, I had them all out in the courtyard having jello. And I said something about the three Dianes and she was shocked that I knew her name and it was like, uh, okay. <laughs> My memory is not bad yet. Aww. It's just really interesting because they're all different, but some of them do get, um, you know, not, they get a little hostile and a lot of it's fear. Exactly. And, you know, My mom did the same thing. She did the same thing. And a lot of other people there had their own triggers that would, um, I mean, we were sitting in there one time and they called bingo a bingo game. And so they all came down and the caregiver was late for bingo and they all got really bad. Oh, yeah, Don't be late. <laughs> oh for bingo. my goodness. And I sat there and I said, you know, she'll be here in just a minute. Well, she was supposed to, I go, well, she's going to go get the bingo balls. Why do we even have activity schedules? That's if we're not going exactly to keep them? what the bingo master, <laughs> a gentleman who, who they were waiting for him to get there. Um, he's here and we need to start the bingo now. <laughs> It oh, was that's funny, you know, but the, you know, I caregivers, <laughs> honestly, um, they are the best. Uh, it just, they could probably write novels on all the different things that they've dealt with and seen. Um, but for me, it was quite an interesting journey, um, where you have to sit pretty much in the background and just let it happen. Mm -hmm. And you can't react. My dad was a, a big advocate for instructional, um, educational things to give to the family to say, this is how you should be speaking to someone with Alzheimer's or dementia. You can't challenge them. Don't, don't say, you've said that to me three mm -hmm. times. And I did a lot of shaking my head and really, really? And then that causes them to go on to their next thought, whatever mm -hmm. it is and keeps them comfortable. So. Yeah. There's this yeah. sort of a retraining that they need to go through. And a lot of people sort of just deal like figure that out the hard way. Right. And They're your like, own frustrations uh, have to go. Um, you have to deal with those in another place. The first part of that though is, is, is acceptance too. Like you right? to accept that, you know, your, your loved one, your, the strong mother figure, your, your, you know, the father figure or, you know, whatever has, has it's now no transitioned that. into, um, you know, somebody who's, who's dealing with the world that is brand new to them every 20 minutes or it two is. days or, you know, whatever. And they're scared. And yeah, there's a fear to that mm -hmm. because the, all the power that they had or the perception that they have of self at that point is also in, in jeopardy, you know, like it's in conflict and so, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're afraid that their world is completely different. They don't understand why because their brain isn't, isn't able to contextualize and, and that with know. a sort of memory of why they're, yeah. you know, dealing we with don't what know doing. what's firing and what's not. If they come into a realization where they go, ah, this isn't me. Yeah. And then it goes away, you know, so that's, it's got to be a, a huge struggle in their heads. 
Yeah. You're just, we don't know. And you would never know unless God forbid you have to deal with it yourself. And then you, you can't know. explain it either. And you can't explain no. it. <laughs> yeah. No. My, um, my mom is really agreeable, which mm-hmm. she was always a very strong and stubborn personality. And she still <laughs> is. And the whole, one of the reasons I confiscated this particular sweater is because I wasn't seeing her in anything but, mm-hmm. and I suspected that it wasn't getting laundered because she wasn't allowing them to. And I asked them, I said, is she giving you a hard time about changing clothes? And they said, oh yeah. And she's, she's giving a hard time about showering. I'm like, oh great. Okay. Well that explains the other problem that I was kind of thinking about. And they we're trying very hard to insist that she get in the shower, but you know, there's a very fine line between insisting and, and elder abuse. So, you know, they, they err on the side of caution more than, than I would like, but I understand why they do. And it turned out that they had, they'd moved her shower to the afternoon, which my mom is not an evening shower person at all. And I said, no, 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 you need to switch that back. Everybody will be happier if you switch that back. And then the gal that's in charge of helping my mom with showers has learned that when she gets to work on mom's shower days, the first thing she does is go into mom's room and say, okay, we're going to shower. Cause if my mom gets up and gets dressed, forget it. There will be no shower. She will not. And she told the caregiver at one point, she goes, you know, I am not a child. And she just got really angry with her. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. That was the first time I'd heard of her getting, crossways with them right. and that, you know and this one gal I hadn't seen her for a while and I was terrified that she left because she's she's so great and she doesn't you know I, I work with them as much as I can but one day I guess in the spring she came up to me and she's like your mama needs new pants <laughs> like okay all <laughs> right <laughs> I'll get on that right away which, which pants are you talking yeah. about <laughs> well she had lost so much weight that everything she had was too big ah. and I had walked into her room after being informed that mom needed to go shopping I walk in her room and she's pulling on some pants and they are literally at least three sizes too big and I thought oh no we are not having an old lady wardrobe malfunction right <laughs> oh no yeah, I'm gonna put you in all elastic, mom. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Leggings, would yeah. Do you'll well, just be yeah. in like yoga pants, leggings. <laughs> well, see, here's the challenge. Material. My mom, you know, so I took my mom shopping that time. We bought some capris because it was, you know, summer was coming. It was hot, and all she had was those those old lady polyester pants. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, my sister took her shopping probably nine months later for regular pants, and. My mom and her dad always were slender, but they have no butt. Or, you know, my grandfather had no butt. My mom's got no butt. So it can fit around the waist and the hips, but it's like, it's a saggy mess in the back. And it's just, <laughs> just the way it is. Right. You know, and when you can only have elastic waist pants because you can't handle zippers and buttons anymore, you don't get a lot of options on, you know, there's not enough options to find the exact style that fits all over well well my sister found a pair with beautiful gray slacks they're they're almost fuzzy they're so soft and they're um skinny legs so they oh my gosh they look so great i think my mom's worn them once oh you would rather wear these god-awful ugly old lady pants (laughs) because they're familiar right every time and this has been my challenge and you know it's nobody's had a, a workaround for me but you know 
stuff is wearing out. She's been in the memory community like 18 months. And a lot of the stuff was old when we brought it over and it's wearing out. And it's like, mom's got money to buy a new comforter or buy some new pants. It's not like, you know, we're not going to Neiman Marcus for this stuff. So, you know, we go to pennies or target and mom's got money for these things. And if she doesn't recognize it, which of course she doesn't, she gives it to her friend. Oh dear. So frustrating. You know, so a couple weeks ago, I'd gone to my support group and we had the open forum and I swear like two thirds of us were all like, yes, our family member is not showering regularly and won't change their clothes. What do we do about this? And one gal said, well, you just need to limit the amount of clothes they had. And my first instinct was my mom had probably a 10 foot long closet, double hung plus the eight, maybe eight feet, seven feet closet in the guest room with clothes. Like, now she's got this little, like, one-door closet. You know, it's probably two and a half feet wide. So right. I'm like, what do you mean? She's got way less clothes. So when I went the following week and I looked, I opened her closet because I'm like, I got to kind of sort of keep track of what's going on with these clothes. And I looked in the closet and I'm like, first off, I'm going to take out all the short sleeve shirts because it's, you know, end of October now. We don't really need short sleeve shirts. I must have taken out 16 items of clothing and it still looks pretty full. And I have not heard any complaints other than she doesn't remember where the sweater went. <laughs> oh dear. Still fixated the on the sweater. sweater. That's it's weird. It's like, you don't remember your husband died in the sweater. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Uh, I wonder if there's uh, like with the pants situation too, like if I wonder if it's more or less uh, like a texture, col- well, a, a, either a texture or a, a color association too. Um, like they go to, to one of the more like basic memory things, right. you know, it, it's about like feel and, and sort of like, yeah, generic color. So like the gray slacks, she doesn't remember owning a pair of gray slacks, but if these pants are like a blue or a purple or something like that, if you got something that matched that same color, if she would recognize that as being something that's more familiar. Maybe you know? I might have to go try and find those. Yeah. Um, well, I know, I don't think she likes the skinny leg. I mean, they look fantastic on her. Right. Yeah. That's not something that she would have worn previous. So I'm wondering if that's the case. So maybe I'll go to Penny's or I don't even think Target sells the old thing clothes like that. Penny's does. Yeah. They have a whole <laughs> yeah. section Ooh, there. Throwing shade yes. on Penny's. Well, they do, though. They have a whole section there for the older woman. Um, my yeah. grandmother used to shop there exclusively. Sears used to have one, and so did Penny's. I think it's uh, Alfred somebody. Uh, because Alfred Dunner. yes he would he would go get mom's uh clothes there too mm. because of the type of clothes it was and she was so tiny you know they make those tiny petite, tiny petite sizes um but you know my husband's mom she is in a facility she's physically uh challenged but her mind is still there but when we go it's visit her complete 180 a of, complete 180 of, of care yeah. But it is extremely important to her to have her outfits color coordinated oh, yeah. in her closet. So we spend a good portion of time when we're there making sure that the the pants match the tops because sometimes the caregivers don't do that for she, her. She is, uh, uh, but she's she's a performer. Yeah, oh, neat. So yeah. you know she has to be in like. But color is is big time. She was yeah. painted and did all that stuff. And yeah, she's she's an artist too. And and uh, 
Does she still paint while she's there? No, uh, well, I, I don't think she has there. The, it's familiar. The she sort of can't see very to well anymore. to do that, but yeah. Yeah, but she, so she would always show up what matching purple things and a giant red jumpsuit. And, you know, like <laughs> she was always quite colorful, personality wise and uh, clothes. Yeah, yeah, the garland in her hair for, for Christmas, you know. Dressing the, up as Lady Liberty for Fourth of July. Yeah, that kind That's of flamboyancy. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, if they were strong in that in, in their life, that may be something that's, that is still that spark in them that the colors are important. Texture was yeah. huge important with my mother. If it, she didn't like it on her skin, she she would complain immediately. Tags, all of that kind of stuff. We so eventually had yeah. to get things that were tagless because she didn't like them. Well, I'm going back to where the town, my my hairdresser's in my parents' old hometown. And they have they still have a Kmart there for I don't know how much longer. And I know that's where my mom bought a lot of her pants. So mm. I think I'll pop over there and see if I can find some of this awful old There lady. you go. In the smallest yeah. size they can or just, just take uh, a seam down the, <laughs> yeah. down the back yeah. to get the... Uh, well, I know what size. Down. I think she was like at a two when my mm. sister bought her pants. And so she's put on three pounds since the dog left. <laughs> oh. Um, she's eating all the table scraps from the residence <laughs> that the dog yeah. used to get? Yeah. <laughs> eating all their food now. And they don't have, they don't even serve them big portions. So I don't, I don't know how they all didn't starve and the dog just kept getting fatter, but I'm going to try that because one of the suggestions too was, you know, find like basically the same sweater or one that's super similar. And I think I'll start with that with the pants because, you know, I think that's the other thing is like, she's been wearing these black tops with blue pants, which just makes me crazy because it doesn't work. <laughs> you <know? laughs> For you. Right. I don't change. I don't try to change her clothes because, you know, at least we're wearing different shirts now. Yeah. So I think I will look for some smaller, small yeah. old lady pants. Cause I bet you that's why she's not wearing those gray ones. Cause they're, they're skinny legs. So they're, they, the legs touch, you know, the, the legs of the pants touch legs of her. Well, and we, my dad would get specific things from Costco. I think he would find specific kinds of pants for my mom and undergarments and things of that sort. But when I tried to get her to wear leggings and she'd be in them and I go, do you like the leggings, mom? And she goes, no. (laughs) She would point down to them and she'd go, I I don't. And I think it was because they (laughs) hugged her legs. And I don't know how sensitive her skin was or just irritated that she can feel it in the pants that she normally wore. She couldn't, you know, she'd wear socks and her tennis shoes and whatnot. And that was not different, you know, but this was different. So she never, she never embraced the leggings, which I thought would have been perfect because they would stay up on her. (laughs) But uh, yeah. And they double as pajamas if you want. And pajamas, yeah. Well, you know, you say that, and none, I'm like like scanning visually. I don't think any of the ladies in residence with my mom, they wear jeans or the polyester old lady pants. They That's don't awesome. wear leggings or any of that mm-hmm. modern stuff. That's no, they don't. All oh, these but other- it, it was quite interesting. Dad says, don't buy her any more of those things. She liked the tops now. I would get her <clears throat> looser tops that she could wear with her um, – no collars, no tags, no fuss, no muss, no buttons. Right. She would wear those. 
And that was 90% of her tops that dad would purchase for her. But the pants always had to be these tacky looking old lady pants. What advice would you give for people whose family members are maybe in the earlier or middle stages so they can avoid some of the the heartache that I've gone through? It sounds like you guys, you guys got your committee together, which really helped a lot. If, if anything, I would say you need to rally. You need to rally together right. because this shouldn't be something that's done alone. alone. Um, it may have begun that way with um, your father or your mother or, but people need to help. You need to support. That's what the family unit is all about. And there are going to be things that some people can handle, some people can't. And, and as a group, you can get through all of that. And you need to be aware too, because, you know, this is a learning experience for the young, the mid part, you know, midlife, whatever, because you still have a family member, maybe like we do, that he's not going to be there to take care of himself. We're going to have to step in to do that. So you better educate yourself and make it known to the family members that, you know, I'm going to need you to help me when it comes time for grandpa. And in our case right now, we're rallying again for Aunt Mary. Um, So it's another learning experience uh, for that. Um, uh, My dad is nowhere near there to need help. He's sound mind physically. He's doing just fine moving on um, with, with living his life as best he can at his age right now. And so, you know, but it, it is going to be something that we can't ignore. So yeah. you might as well get your unit together now and learn as you go and, and be engaged with it. Um, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy, but you're going to have to deal with it and, and communicate. Yeah. I, to communicate that, that was going to be my, my addition to that is um, talk about it. You know, with with your loved one, as as you see some of the signs, like bring it up, keep it a, a part of the sort of open line of communication mm-hmm. um, to try to help remove some of the stigma and shame that we might feel about having to deal with losing our memory or being embarrassed or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. the more you talk about it, the more you make it more of a normal and learn, you know, about thing it, and yeah. and yeah, learn learn Education about the things the and and stay open about the you know, what's going on, Right. Uh, the easier it will be to transition into a care facility, the easier it will be to figure out ways that are best, you know, figure out better strategies for, you know, whether or not we age out at home or, you know, whether we even need a facility or, you know, whatnot, like really removing this sort of stigma of like, you know, speaking in another room about like, is mom, you know, losing her memory or, you know, whatever, being more open about it, I think, will help everyone in the long run, too. I agree. And then that leads to the community committees. Well, and, and as you, know, you make your committee, it's my favorite word, because it is yeah. so what it is. You know, it is. Um, be very mindful and honest, too, in that group setting of where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And you can help each other. Um, and and we did. Divide um, and my sister-in-law is mm. so strong and so level-headed that she helped guide me, who wasn't at the time, you know, to be able to see different perspectives and to sort of level out to focus on what we needed to do. Um, so 
everybody brought something to the table. And again, um, it was created a couple years ago, and now we're moving forward to help the cousins that have come into the committee to help other family members because um, it just doesn't go away. You can't not deal with it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Now, quick question on the committee. Was there any, for lack of a better term, like negative family dynamics? Because I know a lot of people, and I've heard horror stories, and my sister and I weren't close, and we've thankfully navigated taking care of mom and doing what we need to do well, which is great. But I know there are some people whose, you know, sibling doesn't help or, you know, there just seems to be that negative family dynamic that I can almost hear somebody going, oh, well, that's great for them. Their family all sounds great, but my family is a pain <laughs> in the butt. Exactly. And, and at our situation, it was not an issue. Um, we, we knew what needed to happen. Um, we knew what we needed to do yeah. as a group. Um, but more or less, more or yeah. less. Yeah. We were learning at the same time as well. There, there were still struggles, you know, too, on, on that, on that front as well. But like, I, I think re- really the, the committee has to be volunteer, you know, like it, and it also has to be um, understanding of, you know, like the, the different personal comfort levels and thresholds that the different members of the committee have towards right. what they are, they're willing to take on. Right. You know, where, where you'll get a lot of pushback and struggle is when you're trying to expect that one, you know, person in your family who, you know, isn't going to be able to, you know, call a bunch of facilities and whatnot and putting that responsibility on them. Right. And it you doesn't, know, it doesn't make them do anybody yeah. to put judgment um, or, you know, try to force the situation, even though it does put a burden on everyone else. Um, and it's something that just has to be dealt with that at the time, you know, my, my approach would be then fine. I understand, but we got to move on here. So if you're ready to come in at a certain, another time, that's great. But we, we got to do something about this now. Or decisions and, need to be and made right now. now we can't mm-hmm. deal with um, the hesitation, the hesitation before, yeah. right now. So, it, but yeah. it's not a judgment. It is where you are right now. Um, and you deal with it then. Yeah. yeah so, Keep expectations reasonable. Mm-hmm. Right. Or no expectations at all. <laughs> you you yeah. deal it out because we're adults and you you say, this is what we need to do now. We don't have a choice. And educate everybody as best you can. And it's up to everybody else to decide what you are going to do. It, it We can't force people to do something. I, I, think, I think too, like being like discussing the fact and like coming to terms with the fact that like, it's going to get uncomfortable. Yes. I'm saying it's not easy. It's, it's, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to feel awkward about, you know, having to make these decisions about like your, your parent, the feelings that you're having about that are very valid. Yes. Um, And, and to acknowledge each other, you know, in your support, community as well I think that helps relax some of that and then people are more apt to sort of pick the ball up and and run with it and that's where we are with my aunt's care right now is that we're trying to acclimate new members to the committee to make them feel like they're not alone um, in the process Um, we're not quite sure that they well the one is aware of what they've actually 
bitten off. Yeah. What, what <laughs> yeah, have they gotten exactly. Um, and so we're trying to help with that um, as best we can right now. And that's the awkward part. Yeah. And yeah. it's okay. And it's yeah. okay. okay. It does feel sometimes like mom has memory loss and it seems to have sucked up a lot more of my time, even though she's in a community. Right. I'm just shocked at how much time I my deal dad with said the stuff. same thing. Yeah. Goes, I'm more involved now than I was when she was living here. But well, he goes, it's, it's in a different, it's, different. Yeah. it's in yeah. a different capacity. But he goes, I wouldn't have it any other way. I know she's safe. Right. I yeah. know that he's being taken care he, of. He can dedicate more active time to specific things. Whereas to, before he, he was 24 seven. Right. But whether he acknowledges it that, you know, he was 24 seven, mm-hmm. you know, and, and felt like even the passive times he is, he was being, right. you know, um, a caregiver, mm-hmm. you know, even when she's sleeping or when, you know, well, I think it's important to know that even whatever. though you do put someone in a care facility, your caregiving responsibilities, unless you just walk away from it are not over. That's not recommended. All of those things that at a cost, you could get them to do them for you. Uh, but my dad chose not to. He chose to have them text him or call him when they needed um, him to do shopping for her. And he went and visited her several times a week um, to make sure that the items that he was purchasing were being used and where her inventory, you know, he just kept tabs on them and her. Yeah. You know, Keeping tabs really. on those stuff is a challenge. Keeping tabs yeah. and also making his presence known with the staff there, too that I'm aware of her care, literally. So um, if there's an issue, I'm going to kind of let you know. <laughs> yeah. And he had some meetings where he pulled in the leadership and said, I'm not happy with this. Can we see if we can make a change? Not just for my wife, but for everybody else here. Yeah. Yeah, that's like when I, I didn't have the new memory care director's email. So I emailed the executive director of the entire community and said, I don't have her email. So please forward this to her. I didn't want him to think I was complaining about them. And that was all about mom's shower. I'm like, trust me, everybody will be a lot happier if you put her back in the morning. Right. Right. Which means this gal that comes in, I mean, she gets off at two 30. So I'm not, you had to back up like eight and a half hours and I can't do that math in my head, but she gets there really early. Because she was saying, well, your mom's getting up at like five o'clock. And I'm like, in the morning? That's like, that's oh. not my mom. So I don't, that's kind of going to be one of my next steps is to to kind of gently quiz them on why they think she might be getting up so early because it is really out of character. Is it just part of the progression of the disease? Mm-hmm. Or My mom started doing that. They had to put an alarm on her bed. Mm-hmm. She would come out of her room and wander the halls at two, three, four o'clock in the morning. And uh, they would find her just wandering. And so they ended up having to put an alarm so that the gal, they would hear that she was moving in her room to go assist her to, if she would needed to go use the restroom or whatever, or that they would watch her door to see if she was indeed coming out and wandering the halls. And that was, you know, probably five, six months into her stay there. Something to look forward to. Yay. So she always had an alarm. It It all sounds so fun, doesn't it? Well, it is. Mm -hmm. It progresses. And it's, it's in, like I said, it's an, it's, it's sad, but it is something that does progress um, 
once it starts progressing, it progresses rapidly into completely different things that you yeah. wouldn't think. You know, my yeah. dad was always on his toes thinking, oh, okay, this week we're doing this Yeah, now, now we're dealing with this. Yeah. And, you know, where's your baby doll? What baby doll are you talking about? We don't you know? care about the baby anymore. She had to yeah. have it, and now she doesn't remember, you know? Yeah. So he says it's constantly changing. And, you know, he said, I just feel bad for her for her mind. You know, it must be a mess in there of her trying to remember, try to think, and it's happening just as fast for her in her head. Yeah. But she's losing more every time, you know. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to ever know if they're aware of what's going on. I think in the beginning you are. But like right. now where literally my mom doesn't remember one or two minutes ago, which is right. really weird. But if that's, that's your life, if that's all you re- are used to at this point, then maybe it's not so bad, but I don't, I don't want, I don't think I want to know if she's aware that, that her mind is just going. I mean, yeah. she makes that comment and oh, my memory's not what it used to be. And trust me, it's really hard not to laugh when she says that. Right. Once she leaned over toward me and I was recording at the time, and she's like, well, I guess senility is just setting in. I was like, okay. Oh, <laughs> I did, dear. I did Bless leave that. Heart. Yeah, I left that little clip in on that episode because I'm like, <laughs> I should almost just put that at the end of each episode. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's just, it's, it's a hard thing to understand, to really fully understand. And you would hope that maybe they're shielded from that. I, th- I think they probably are, but sometimes I I wonder and I worry and then I have to kind of just put that aside and say, you know, there isn't anything I can do about that and I do everything I can for her. I, I take her out regularly and get her nails done, which is probably time again. And, you know, I take her to the regional park and we and when we were coming back this current week, she said, I said, well, you know, it's the end of October. So we, we have to enjoy our time outside while we still can. And her response was funny. Cause she goes, well, yes, or somebody else will. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting perspective. Mm. And then I said, well, maybe when it's colder, cause you know, you guys are in the San Diego area, right? Uh, Orange County. Orange County. Okay. okay. So I'm up in the San Francisco Bay area. So our winters get kind of nippy and a little wet usually, hopefully. And I said, well, maybe if it's not too cold and we can come out with blankets and sit. And she loves to watch the sky. Mm. She's always commenting about the blue sky. And then the other day it was the blue water and the blue sky. And she said, oh, that might be nice, which will be interesting to see if she actually agrees to do it. And then I said, well, bring a mug, you know, a, a, a thermos of hot chocolate. She goes, that sounds really good. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll try that maybe early December before it gets, we get, um, Thule fog, which is yes. cold. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, it might only be 50 degrees, but that fog is just damp and it just penetrates your bones and she doesn't yeah. have any fat on her. So <laughs> I'd have to bring many blankets to keep her warm. So we'll try it. If she, we'll see if she's game. Right. No, at least the, the, um, grand reopening of the community the assisted living and the memory care is november 8th so they're 99 percent done with that thank god that's good that's a lot of turmoil for all those poor poor people seeing changes that they don't understand what's going on and making things a little bit unfamiliar i would imagine yeah there's some choices they made 
like in their TV viewing area, they used to have like, they were almost like um, medicinal type medical grade um, recliners. Mm-hmm. Like I would think the kind that you'd have like in an infusion clinic. And they got rid of all those. So they have these nice couches and chairs. Well, they don't really have any place for the wheelchair bound residents. And the way the management, I'm assuming it's the corporate end, wants it arranged is very nice. It looks very pretty, but it's not at all practical for the memory care. Oh, boy. And I'm like, you know, okay, so corporate's telling you this way, which isn't really working. And it, so there's some choices they made I don't really get. So Yeah, and they'll figure it out once they, aesthetically, they probably want it to look nice for the opening, but as they use it, they'll make changes, I'm sure. They'll I have to. So. Yeah. I would hope so, because, I mean, the medicinal, you know, medical grade recliners were not, I mean, they were bone white color, and I mean, they weren't pretty at all, but. They were practical. Yeah, yeah. and I know, like, when my, I toured the community first, because the plans my sister and I had been discussing, I had realized, eh, I don't think this is going to work the way we think. And I went and toured it, and I was very impressed. And when, when she and I went together, you know, she made comments like, well, in the assisted living dining room, you know, there's flowers and pretty things on the tables. Well, in the memory care, they're blank. It's like cafeteria looking. And she's like, well, there's nothing pretty on the tables here. And I'm like... Well, one, these people are going to just take them. I mean, there's one gal there that she actually tried to steal my mom's dog. So. Oh, no. She wow. had decided that day the dog was hers, and she was not happy that I was putting the dog in my mom's room. So I'm like, I understood why they didn't have all these pretty things on the table. and Yeah, you know, less is more. Exactly. Less confusing. I, could, I could see from a corporate marketing standpoint that you, know, you want it, to look beautiful and nice, because why would you want to put your loved one in some place that looks dumpy? But, well, because that's the first room they show you is the activity room too when you tour. True. Well, there's because theirs is rectangle. Well, it's like I said, it's a square with the courtyard in the middle. Depending on which side you walk in on, either the first room you see is the TV viewing area, or if you walk in on the other side, it would be the activity area slash secondary dining room. Mm-hmm. Now that it's all put back together, I'm hoping when I go this coming tomorrow, um, it'll all be put together because it was a tiny bit frustrating. We had to rehome the dog in the second week of August, and they still hadn't replaced all the carpet as of two weeks ago. Oh, maybe wow. Maybe even last week. But, of course, the carpet they changed was right in front of my mom's door. That got done first. So it all, you know, it all worked out fine, but... You know, I'm glad they won't be renovating again while my mom's there, I hope. Exactly. Yeah. And it was getting, there was, if you looked closely in the kitchenette where they, they get the meals ready for the memory care people, there was some dry rod and just some stuff that was like, okay, this place isn't cheap. And some of this stuff's getting a little uh, run down. Right. They ripped everything out. They ripped out all the cabinets and everything in the kitchenette. They ripped out the tile around the fireplace in the TV room. I'm like. Really? I never even saw what the old tile looked like because my mom doesn't <laughs> doesn't watch TV. She doesn't track the shows. She just doesn't interest her. And yeah, it's just been it's been a very interesting journey with her. And she's almost seventy six, so we might have a long journey ahead of us. 
Oh, bless her heart. So but tomorrow we get to go to the dentist. <laughs> oh boy. My dad said mom never had an issue going to the dentist and really? she didn't know. She never did. She did she did what dad told her to do. That's crazy. She trusted him implicitly implicitly. But if, of all the to, like sort of micro fears that she had, like the dentist was sort one of, them? of well, you know, as she's as she lost her memory, those fears sort of got away from her. Uh, she was just fearful when she didn't see dad. That was her lifeline. But he could take her to go to the dentist, to go get her hair cut, um, shopping with him, and she would just stick right by him. She wanted to push the cart, you know, um, and, you know, gave him, you know, grief a little bit. I can do it, Jim, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But uh, for the most part, and, and that's the kind of relationship he has with Aunt Mary, too. He's the only one that can get her into a car to go anywhere. Interesting. Well, this will be yeah. our fourth dentist trip. She's very cooperative. I mean, and the yeah. dentist is literally like two, two miles from my house or slightly less. So I have to like mm-hmm. drive over and get mom, mom all the way back this way. And yeah. then like, I might go across the street. There's a tea place. I really like coffee and tea place. It's an independent. And you know how most of those never survive with Starbucks and Pete's, but this one's doing great. So I might go over there and yeah. And her facility doesn't have people that come in to see the patients or the residents. Not for dentistry. Oh, her her health insurance. They constantly call me. It's driving me bananas because they have a um, home visit program and her doctor left the practice. So two weeks ago we had to go establish a new relationship with a new doctor in the group. And I was like, why do I need to bring her? <laughs> uh, yeah, really. Because they uh, did have, I think they had dental or they had medical that came in for mom. Um, and I did. I think they did have a dentist that came in to just do quick checks. But at that point, you know, a lot of them didn't have a whole lot to look at. <laughs> yeah. No, my, well, my mom's had always had really soft teeth, but. She's been doing really good, but I noticed last week that the toothbrush that was on her vanity, the the little vanity organizer with the toothbrush and all that stuff, and it did disappeared. Oh so no! I have no idea. I'm. She had lots of toothbrushes, so I'm hoping that since they didn't call me and say, "Oh, your mom needs toothbrushes," I'm assuming that they had spare ones someplace for her. Maybe they put it under her sink because my mom had a sink that had a lock on it. Yeah, hers does too. Pretty much took everything off of, she didn't have anything on tables or in the bathroom and they had a key. Maybe they put it under. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask him. It's like, can I get a copy of this key so I can like put the toilet paper and all that stuff? My dad had one. He had one so he could look to see. So it's not unreasonable. That's right. He actually said he made one and told them I'm making a key because it's not a hard thing to make, Mm. but he, he had his own key and they went, okay. Cause he, they knew. And it should be what every family member does that comes in there to check. I would, when we would go, we'd see mom, we'd go down to her room. One would stay with her. I'd go down and just check her room to -hmm. see if her hamper was in her closet, to see if her clothes were there, to see how clean her room was. And I was always pleasantly surprised. They did a very good job. My mom's housekeeping day is Tuesday. And when Mm -hmm. I go on Mondays, it's like, when I moved her bed to put the new duvet cover on, I'm like, yeah, there could be a little more vacuuming under here. They have like the vinyl 
um, wood vinyl floors. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you know, considering she had the dog and I go the day before cleaning, it's always, I'm always pretty impressed. So, yeah, we would yeah. go on Saturdays and that was mom's cleaning day. Mm-hmm. So they would do it early in the morning. And when we walked in, it was spick and span clean. Her clothes were always clean because uh, laundry day was before that. So, um, yeah, I was very happy, um, satisfied knowing she was cared for well. Yeah, it's a hard a hard job for them to do. And mm-hmm. I know um, a friend of mine whose mom was in the same community with my mom. Um, she was like, I don't know why they have to spend all this money on the renovations when they need to pay these people more so they can get more staff. Because that's always been a challenge. There's like a core group of ladies that have been there the whole time my mom's been there and they're great. And then these other people come in and after three to six months, they're, they're gone. Yeah. And I, I, I don't blame them. They don't get paid a lot. And it's the nature of the occupation. Yeah, it's hard. That was the challenge with the in-home care. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that that was just a very temporary thing. It was the frustration my dad had as it goes, you know, I think I had in that short amount of time, four or five people that took care of your mom and it would confuse her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't good for her to, to go through that. So I kept having to remind him it's, it's, it's a bridge. Um, and we are only using this temporarily until we can actually get more consistent care for her. But he did say it was, that was frustrating to know they wouldn't show up sometimes or they would send somebody different. We had a service while my dad was on hospice and they were great. We did have to tell um, the management, like one gal that worked in the afternoons because my dad was diabetic and he wasn't getting dialysis. There were things that happened physically that were gross. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. one, one young gal wouldn't deal with it. Oh. And dealing with my dad was a challenge as it was. So I just had to say, you know what, if she can't deal with this edema leaking out of, you know, it was gross. Um, she can't come back. And the biggest regret I have is my brother-in-law worked different hours. So he would go check in on the evening, the, the, I think it were 11 PM to 7 AM person, the overnight person. Mm-hmm. But it, at the very end, it was, it was obvious that she wasn't doing her job because the hospice nurse showed up one morning and my dad was soaked and sitting in a puddle. And according to the report, she had changed him like an hour before, two hours before. And actually it was the, uh, the other caregiver and she was so disgusted. She called the hospice nurse and the hospice nurse called and yelled at me because we're paying all this money for these people and they're not doing their job. I'm like, I can't supervise them 24 hours a day. Right. So it was, that was, you know, people say, well, I want to age in place. I want to die in my home. This is not always a good thing because right. the last week of my dad's life was rough. And part of it was not great care. And then, you know, just, it went from, I wasn't sure when he was going to go. Cause I had seen him and I gave him a big hug. I told him I loved him. And that was on a Friday. And I think it was the following Thursday he was gone. Mm. So it went, it went quick at the end, but yeah, the in-home caregiving is, that's even worse. So I'd rather yeah. them be at a, an accredited facility 
Um, they don't have any rules. We can go any time of day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. And because I go the same day, I go after our rotary meeting, they have a tendency to know, oh, it's uh, getting, must be about time for Jen to show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I do, sometimes I'll do errands and then go. Sometimes if we don't have rotary lunch before we don't have a meeting that day, I'll show up and have lunch with them. So I try to keep them on their toes a little bit. Right, <laughs> right. You know, my sister yeah. goes weekends. Mm-hmm. That's you know. when we would go. We would go on Saturdays or Sundays. Um, but my mom, when she started falling out of bed oh, towards dear. the end there, they did put her on hospice watch is what they called it in, in the community on the second floor. And so for probably two, two and a half months, she was under hospice care until she got some intestinal, she got um, she got sick with some intestinal contagious thing. Mm. And then they, they had to take her out because it was a contagious deal and put her in a sniff. Um, and consequently, that's where she passed away. And it's not uncommon. Yeah, that's what my mom's got a neurology appointment on. Remember December. what it was called. And did we lose our connection again? Nope, nope, I can oh, hear okay. you. You guys, you guys froze up for a second there. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, I'm hoping with the neurology appointment, they'll be able to kind of guide my sister on to, you know, is my mom going to live to 91 like her mom? Is it, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we can get some sort of educated guess on a timeline. Because mm-hmm. like I said, she's so physically fine. Right. You know, she's not going to go that way. No. So it's it's going to be the Alzheimer's that gets her unless she gets pneumonia or something. You know, and I know they'll do hospice care there unless obviously if something like that happens. So yeah. <sighs> so, many, so much journey left to walk. It is. And, you know, they'll know. They'll know and they'll let you know. Um, yeah. My dad was surprised. And when he told me that we he had talked to the facility, um, uh, gal there at crescendo and she suggested hospice and i immediately went to what and he goes no 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 there are levels of hospice yeah and i was not aware of that hospice sort of sounds like a four-letter word right know? so so they <clears throat> and they actually bring in a hospice person that is assigned and takes care of them 24 7 for all of her needs and they're basically were concerned because she was getting up and falling you know she was she was um she was in in a place where she could hurt herself. And so they made sure they got her a hospice bed with uh, bars on it so that she couldn't, she couldn't get out of bed on her own. And of course the alarms were different on the bed, you know, in case she decided to climb over the bars, but she wasn't um, strong enough to do that, but they did an excellent job. And that's how, you know, they do then monitor other physical things um, that, that come about. And, and know the stages that they're going through and let you know. Yeah, that's the one thing with, and how long was your mom at her community? She was there. We got, we put her in July of 2017 and she was there until the last week of June. It's almost year. a year. It's om- almost, almost a year. year. Mm-hmm. My day. mom has been there, let's see, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. So seven 19 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was at a level, though, that she was, she probably should have been put there two years prior. Probably. Yeah. Probably. 
mentally, I think my mom probably should have also, but she's, they have six levels of care and she's at level two. Okay. That's very interesting. Um, but it's sad to see the people who have had to move out because their families run out of money. Right. There was one day I was there and this, um, man and woman were, they were kind of hustling personal items out and I, and they just looked very agitated and I was like kind of concerned as to what was going on. And then I found out that their father had passed away over the weekend. Oh, and I guess, I don't know. I forget exactly how the money works. Um, but they wanted to make sure to get his stuff out. I mean, you have till the end of the month and I don't remember what time of the month it was. So maybe, maybe that's why they were hustling, but he had been, he was, he'd been in pretty bad shape. His name was Richard and he was very tall and uh, he was, he was hard because he had no, no memory at all. And no, it was, it was like trying to control a one-year-old that was six and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult. So, but it's, that's the one thing when you go all the time and to see the changes in the residents, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, it's so. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, there was a story my dad was saying that we had last Christmas. There was a gal sitting next to me. I was helping her while I was helping my mom. And he was telling me that she had passed away. And she was talking to me at Christmas time last year. So he said that um, she was a next door neighbor, I guess, to my mom and that she had passed probably a month prior to my mom getting sick. So it's constant changing, constant different things and different levels as you yeah. get to know everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge. Well, I've sucked up all of your late morning, early afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been nice. It's been uh, it's been quite um, good for me to talk about this too. Yeah, well, I'm glad. Yeah, and it's and I love the fact that you guys have this committee. I think that's fantastic. I think that that should become a a key thing in this process because no one should have to do this alone. Definitely, and it's an affectionate um, uh, in our family. It's an affectionate term to to just say we're not alone in this. Everybody has a voice. Yeah. I think the the committee doesn't have, doesn't necessarily have to be like immediate family either. No. You know, your, your committee is, is your, your sounding board, your, you know, the people that you trust the most, it could be very close friends. It could be, you know, family, it could be whatever that help you make those, decisions. that help you make those decisions to help you sort of figure out like what, what is the experience. best course of, of, mm-hmm. of action. You know um, I think that's important in general for life, like to have your committee, but right. for making these decisions um, in, in, you know, your older life and in your parents' older life and, and whatnot, it's it's a really valuable and thing to have. And for kids and their mothers and fathers to have conversations now when we can tell you. Yeah. As opposed I'm, to waiting when you can't. And making really inappropriate, morbid jokes about our own death. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's one thing. When my dad was on hospice, I don't even remember how it came up, but and I've made this comment before. I'm like, they, the hospice people said, you know, your morbid sense of, humor is really refreshing. And I thought, I'm not sure that's a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute here. This is like the funeral home director telling you that. Oh my Um, gosh. I don't know. If you can't laugh, you you know. Well, 
Yeah, it is. And what you're doing here is quite um, extraordinary too. I mean, for people to be able to tune in and privately listen to other people's stories to get a handle on where they are with it as well. well and not feel alone because now there's this, this whole community Ex- that's exactly. talking about it. Yeah, exactly. That, oh, that I'm feeling that or, oh my gosh, this is scary and I'm scared and you were too. It's, it's, it's really good. Well, so, and it's so on, on demand. Oh, you're welcome. Because when I started trying to find ways to connect with my mom, because all of the, you know, tried and true methods, you know, bring the old family photo album, play music, do this. None of that worked. And I'm like, I can't come every week and have her ask me every, you know, five minutes, two minutes, you know, so what have you been up to today? So what have you been up to today? And when we do get into that loop, I'll answer, well, I went to the gym and then she'll ask me again. Okay. Well, I went to rotary and you know, then she'll ask me a third time. I'm like, Oh, well at rotary, such and such person talked about whatever, you know, mm-hmm. then she'll ask me again, but there was a, a couple weeks ago, she, she looked at me and she said, so what have you been up to? Probably not a lot, right? And I was like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, let's see. I have the podcast and the photography business. I do all the social media for my businesses. My husband's a realtor and a um, property manager. He's running for city council. I try to go to the gym regularly and I try to cook food. I'm like, what do you mean? Not much. I'm exhausted. <laughs> right. But there's no understanding of that. No, there's and it was just no understanding. And you just look at her and go, not much. No, yeah, no, I, I'm I haven't in. been doing We're much, getting by. Man. I'm good. <laughs> We're, well, good. I told We're her, happy. <laughs> I told her what I was doing just because I was just so shocked. But I try to right. come up with various I try to vary the answers, but going out and going to the, the parks or going and watching the kids play or even, you know, doing little errands and getting a snack that all seems so much better. So I'm, I try to do that as much as possible. Cause I know at some point she may not be able to just get in and out of the car on her own and right. All that so stuff. You're, yeah. you're fortunate to be able to do that now. Yeah. Like I said, she's, she'll be 76 in the middle of January. So she's young ish. Right. And you know, but the, the trying to find ways to connect and doing these deep internet research dives, you know, first I'd get a headache and I right. wasn't getting any answers, so I went and looked on, you know, iTunes for an Alzheimer's podcast, and there really aren't many, mm-hmm. and there's one that's been around a long time, and it didn't work for me for a lot of reasons. So I'm like, well, what the hell? Well, I'll just there do it. There you go. Well, yeah. this is great. This is it, great, and I'm glad to have been a part of it. I'm glad to have had you guys this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having us. I hope you guys got a lot out of this conversation. I've talked about Corey and Cindy a lot since my conversation with them happened because I really feel like, you know, somehow they managed to come together and do it right. I released both parts of this episode this Thanksgiving weekend so that hopefully if you have to have a difficult conversation with family members over the holiday weekend, that this will give you some inspiration and maybe a good place to start from. I want to wish everybody and all my listeners a happy Thanksgiving and tune in again next week for some more exciting information. Definitely check out the show notes or even the webpage for each episode. I include a lot of additional useful information every week 
And definitely check out the My Favorite Things page because I created that specifically so that you did not have to hunt down some of the best books and tools to utilize with your loved one. Now, stay tuned at the end of the episode because I've got something special coming up for you. Are you looking for a way to connect with your loved one? Maybe an activity you can do together instead of sitting around answering the same questions over and over again? Have you checked out Two Lap Books yet? If you haven't, you're missing out on something that I am certain you and your loved ones will thoroughly enjoy. Two Lap Books have changed many of the visits I've had with mom tremendously. These simple read aloud books were created specifically for memory challenged adults. You see, people living with Alzheimer's eventually lose their ability to initiate conversation with others. Because of this, these uniquely adapted books, quote, give voice to these loved ones. By using the book's large, simple text and beautiful, colorful illustrations, we can initiate conversations. Most noteworthy, we can make meaningful connections with our loved ones and help stimulate their mind. Caregivers will enjoy sharing these books and creating purposeful, interactive activities for engaging people with memory deficits. Reading these books together could very likely bring out memories you can cherish together. There's a link in the show notes to the My Favorite Things page on my website. The page is linked to the Amazon pages of all my favorite books and products that have helped me with my mom over the years. Definitely check it out. I'm certain you'll find something that will help you like they helped me. That's why I created this page for you. Could you do me a favor? Can you go to Apple iTunes and leave a rating or even a quick review? This is how new people find my podcast, and I can't be a supportive podcast if people don't know about me. Hi, I'm Jeff. And I'm Corey, hosts of Switch the Envelope. We're a new podcast that discusses the greatest snubs of movies and actors throughout the history of the Academy Awards. Every week, we'll explore a new year, a category, and tell you how they got it wrong. Have you ever watched the Academy Awards and thought, I would have voted for a much different movie? Or how did that movie even get nominated? Or thought to yourself, that actor was terrible. Or even wondered, what the heck is production design? Well, if you've ever thought that, then hit the subscribe button and listen to new episodes of Switch the Envelope. Or visit switchtheenvelope.com. The following has been a Riff Laugh production.